Call us, 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. <laughs> ba, 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 ba. Nothing to do to save his life, call his wife in. Nothing to say, but what a day. How's your boy been? All right, wake up. Nothing to do. Let's go. It's good morning. It's always a good morning for me. I'm not sure when my mornings are, when my evenings are. I don't know. So you can literally, anytime you see me, you could say good morning. It makes sense. That's how I live my life. I live my life in a perpetual phase of good morning. It's one hell of a way to live. Let's go. One hour left in our five-hour midnight ride. Get up. We got stuff to discuss. That's right. I'm still focused on. I'm still. I can't. I can't get out of this. This Dable story. Because as uh, you know, we we heard again from Pat Leonard with Sal, and then the real concern of it was, I suppose, is how the organization feels about him. And obviously, the stories right now, Belichick is, he's hot like Hansel. And he's going to be involved in every storyline and every team and anything that happens. So, sure, with the history of the Giants and, you know, winning Super Bowls as their defensive coordinator uh, and loving the franchise the way he does and speaking so glowingly about it every time he gets an opportunity to, uh, the rumors are going to persist. And as he's available and Brian Dable is going through some turmoil here and some uh, reports that... When you first read, sound pretty bad. He's cursing and screaming. He's blaming coaches. He's holding, taking no personal responsibility. He's impacting their ability to play call when he's yelling about previous games. He gives no real uh, actual help or, in, or or solutions. It's nothing but just venting. Uh, and it sounds like, wow, that's pretty bad. And, you know, it's obviously led to a, a coordinator that everybody – at the bare minimum, thinks did his job fairly well and is a good defensive coordinator. It's led to him being ousted, and suddenly it feels like maybe this franchise is in some sort of turmoil. The head coach could be the reason for it. And hell, with all these, you know, with Vrabel, with Harbaugh, with Belichick, clearly, I mean, there's a, a argument to be made to move on from this craziness and get a stabilizing force and end all of this nonsense and bring in someone you know can win who's proven to win who's one of the better head coaches in the NFL, if not the history of the NFL, when it comes to Belichick. And yet, the report from <clears throat> Paul Schwartz earlier yesterday is that this has not affected the standing of Brian Dable inside the organization. It has not made them question. They do not think he is a lunatic on rampages every Sunday afternoon, and that it's probably been overblown a little bit, but there's some truth to it, I'm sure, and he needs to adapt. But what I love, what I'm really starting to focus on the story is, I'm hoping that while all these rumors swirl, while the idea of Belichick coming in and taking his job, with the idea of now this third year, without question, being a hot seat year for these two guys who probably thought they were going to begin something last year with, the, with really a rebuild and had such a positive impact to start, that they were forced to give Daniel Jones a contract, they were forced to heighten expectations, and the regression, or at least perceived, which, I mean, clearly there was, but in a in an overall game plan of, of steps in a rebuild, maybe not in their minds, 
the regression has now hurt them. This storyline has now hurt them. And the idea is maybe they have one year left to sing for their supper and prove that they are a GM and coaching uh, head coach worthy of being kept around. Now, the, I don't know if, if, if Joe Shane would get another coaching hire. It just seems like they came over together from the same place, that they're so connected that one wouldn't stay without the other. I don't know that for sure. But I'm, I'm starting to get the idea that they realize they're on the hot seat now. Right With all this swirling, they're on the hot seat. And for me, what they need to do and what anybody and what we're already seeing from Dable is that it's his team and he's going to do it his way. And his way may be a little bit feistier than others. His way may be a little screaming, a little tougher more on coaches than others, but it's his way. And when it didn't work out doing it his way, he got rid of the people it didn't work out with. And ultimately, I respect that. And ultimately, I think that's what a head coach needs to do. Now, he does need to adapt. I get that. But when they were guys leaking stuff to Glazer and he felt like he was being undermined, he got rid of the problem. And now moving forward, he needs to understand and Joe Shane needs to understand that if they're going to keep their jobs and if they want to hold their head up high when their tenure ends as New York Giant general manager and head coach respectively, they're going to be kicking themselves if they do not do what they do best while here with the New York Giants, and that is draft and develop a starting quarterback. And that's why I'm going to take a positive out of it that they know, one, if they want job security, which can be selfish, but you know what? In this instance, in my opinion, that what's best for them is completely in line with what's best for the team. Because if you're able to draft a quarterback, now you have time to develop said quarterback. And that's what they were brought here to do. And that's something I would sell this ownership on. Like, hey, we had a great first year. It was better than we all thought. Daniel Jones proved to be a winner on some level. We had to pay him. We know their option. But now we're dealing with a second major injury. And quite honestly, let me do what we do best. And let us do what we were brought here to do. And build something from the ground up. And we watch these quarterbacks throughout the league in the postseason. We're watching game-changing quarterbacks. We're watching Stroud step in and immediately change who the Houston Texans are. We're seeing Love, even on some level, sitting behind a, a, a Hall of Fame quarterback, which this quarterback that they draft probably will sit behind Daniel Jones for a year. But we're seeing Love, a, a first-round pick, step in and immediately take Green Bay to heights. We would not have guessed for them. Obviously, Allen, the guy they helped, the guy they helped draft and develop, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. You need that kind of quarterback, and that is not Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is more in the elk of Dak Prescott. Daniel Jones is more in the elk of Tua. Daniel Jones is more in the elk of his. If everything is fine, then he can. If everything is great, he can win some games. If he has a great coach with a great scheme and immense talent around him and five of the fastest guys in the NFL and the weather's just perfect, he can put the ball in, in, in a nice little place and give them an opportunity to score a hell of a lot of points. But when the rubber meets the road and they're out in Buffalo or they're out in Kansas City and it's five degrees out and the wind's whipping, he ain't going to make the plays to win you games. And right now, that's more of the Daniel Jones. If the offensive line isn't perfect, if they don't have this, if they don't have that, then Daniel Jones ain't going to win you games. And they need to go find their guy. And so for them to realize that, hey, I could lose my job with Daniel Jones. I might as well lose my job doing what I do best and doing what, what got me here. And I felt like what you saw from Dable, even in the brief time of trying to develop 
Tommy Cutlets and working with that young quarterback and seeing him come from a passer who wasn't allowed to throw a pass against the Jets into beating a Green Bay team that's about to play in the divisional round, I thought it brought the coach to life. I thought it brought the coach to life. Yes, winning will do that too, but working with DeVito and being able to do what he did, I I think it brought the coach to life. That's what he is. And if they're on the hot seat, if you want job security and you want to do this rebuild right and you want to do what you were brought here to do and you want to do what's best for you and what's what's best in your skill set and what's best for the New York Giants, it's time to make sure you get a quarterback. And so I'm hoping this story makes them realize that they could be out on their ass in a year. And if that's the case, and they are, and they never drafted a quarterback, they're going to regret it forever. So let's go out there and draft a quarterback. And then do it your way, just, you know, slightly, a little, you know, tone it down just ever so slightly. And and work on a better relationship with your offensive coordinator, no doubt. That's part of it, too. I think that's, a you know, the taking, if you believe the report, which there's no reason not to, I just think it's coming from, you know, Guys who have a, a grind, uh, who have an axe to grind with the coach, but if he's taking play calling duty away and giving it to this one and taking it for himself and then giving it back and like, you have to be more, especially for a coach who obviously is well respected throughout the league. He's already got two head coaching interviews in Tennessee and Seattle. Trust the guy. Trust the guy. But I'm all in on Dable. I believe he's the right coach. I do not think bringing in a Bill Belichick right now is the right move. I don't think bringing in another coach is the right move. I mean, we just, as much as I love him, how can you not love Bill Belichick? And I still think he's a great coach. I don't want him as GM. And quite honestly, I know he developed Tom Brady a million years ago, but Tom Brady's one in a million. We saw what he did with Mac Jones. I mean, he turned Mac Jones into an absolute stiff by giving him Patricia and Judge as his offensive coaches. I mean, that could be in the in the history of the NFL, not in just Bill Belichick's career, in the history of the NFL. I don't know if I've ever seen a more obvious boneheaded decision than handing over an offense to a defensive coordinator and a guy who called quarterback sneaks up against his own goal line. That's who they gave Mac Jones in his second year, a pivotal second year. I'll take my chances with Brian Dable, the guy who helped develop Josh Allen. 877-337-6666. Let's get to the phone calls and take as many as we can all the way to 5 o'clock. Maureen Belmore, tonight is your night, bro. How are we doing? What's up, brother? What's up? So I love this Yankee hot stove. And, Gio, enjoy it while you can, pal. Uh, that's number one. Yes. I do think I, I, I want I want now in the worst way, but my second is Montgomery. If we can get yeah. Montgomery, well, I mean, that would be great. I yeah, don't want to give I, any more kids away. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather do that than sign. I, I'd rather have the short term commitment, money wise. Yep. Because I'm trying to I'm That's trying it. to I'm trying to I'm trying to sign Soto in the off season. So if I could get an ace yeah. pitcher, even if I give up some of the kids, like if I give up, I you know, uh, Peraza, Cabrera, Pereira. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I mean, like I don't know. I don't really have much faith in those guys. If I can get an ace. On the short-term deal, and then if I can sign him in the offseason, fine. But I'm going all in this year. So yeah, I'd rather do that than give big money to Montgomery that might hinder me signing Soto because that's my number one priority yep. next year. And then without getting heated, there's a few there's a few Texas Rangers bullpen pitches. They throw heat. One of them, I'm trying to remember, Garcia maybe. One, we got to get one of them for the bullpen. We, we never had one of those flamethrowers coming what? out of the bullpen. 
Yes, they I'm have. Not, oh, come on. Not a guy that's like consistent. 101, 98. They, 90, had, I mean, they had Chapman, who's thrown the who's the hard, one of the hardest throws in the history of the game. No, I get that. That, that. that was Chapman. That was one guy that we had for the longest. I'm talking about Texas brings out two or three hundred mile an hour uh, bullpen. They've had, they've, they've had they've got guys who throw pretty hard, Maury. I don't think the, the problem well, is velocity in the Yankee bullpen. Yeah. And, and first of all, I really enjoy this show. Thank Obviously, you, Maury. I, I enjoy I, I these little. I enjoy these little you know, get-togethers you and I have. And so, yes. You're lucky. I don't. That Twitter is garbage. The Twitter is garbage. Oh People no! I get know. Well, I just, you know, I also it was but, it was also a way to kill six minutes. To be totally honest. Yeah, with yeah. So. And let me give you one more thing about what's going on in the giant land. What's I going love, on? I love Belichick. I love him. I love him. It's a great opportunity. But these two kids are building uh, something here. Dable's building something. And I love that he's crazy. When you're in the midst of the game, I yell and scream at my wife when I get in, in traffic. I mean, I don't mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's not the right thing to do. My point is, you live in the now. This is this guy is an emotional guy. He wears his, he wears his heart <clears throat> on his sleeve. When you're in a game like that, you just yell and yeah. scream at everyone because things happen. That's no, I, listen, and, and I understand I that, love- Maury. I think there is, and thank you for the call as always. Tonight is your night, bro. Um, I do think there's a line. And I'm and and by no means am I saying, you know, this story is complete garbage, and in no means am I saying that Brian uh, that Dable doesn't need to learn from it. He does, but I think a second year coach gets the opportunity to learn from it, especially when he was doing the same thing year one and he changed the franchise. He literally like I talk about this a lot. The Giants were in the depths of just absolute despair. They were awful. Joe Judge, that final year, where they were ever since uh, that second year of McAdoo, I mean, it's just, it was straight-up disaster. It was it was five straight years of just hideous football. And he came in and changed everything. Everything. To the point where, you know, teams have identities. I really believe the identity of last year's Giant team was that they were well-coached. I think that's that was their identity. That they were gonna, they were not gonna beat themselves. They weren't gonna do anything stupid at the end. And late game situations, they were gonna find a way to make the play that won the game. They were gonna find a way to come back from behind in the fourth quarter by ten points to Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. They were gonna find a way to come from behind ten points in the fourth quarter against the um, Green Bay Packers in London and Aaron Rodgers. Like they, they just they were gonna go for two against Tennessee. They were gonna find a way to win games. If it took handing the ball off to Barkley 40 times against the lousy Texans, if it took, you know, recovering fumbles on opening kickoffs against the Panthers to beat them, if it took ugly slogs of games to beat the, the Bears at home, or if it took impressive offensive victories and performances to beat the Colts at the end of the season or obviously win a playoff game against against the Minnesota Vikings. Whatever it took, they were going to do it. And the and because they didn't have much of an offense and because the defense was maybe, you know, opportunistic but not really very, very, very good. And you saw some guys emerge. You saw, obviously, uh, Dexter Lawrence really start to emerge last year. But it just felt like – and and I include Kafka and uh, Wink Martindale in this when I say it. But last year's team's identity was being well coached. And that felt – so refreshing, quite honestly, and so unique to what they were since Tom Coughlin left that, I mean, we all fell in love with the guy. 
And part of it was his feistiness and his yelling and his dirty looks. I mean, and his dirty looks started. It wasn't the losing. I mean, he gave the uh, the special teams coordinator a dirty look week the preseason week one against the Lions. Like, this is who he is. And I don't want him to change who he is. You can tone who you are down a bit. And I think I think yelling about the Jet game the next week while they're trying to make plays against Washington is counterproductive. Of course I do. Of course I do. That's counterproductive. But he was probably doing the same thing the whole time, and now it's a problem because, A, they're losing, and, B, he had a little bit of a an issue on his hands with, with with Wink and his guys leaking stories and undermining them. And so now they're out there because Wink got some bad press with the Paul Schwartz story, so they went out there and tried to make sure that there was some bad press for Dable with Pat Leonard. I mean, that's kind of how I see it. Doesn't mean the story's not true, and it doesn't mean that Brian Dable doesn't need to change a bit. But for me, I think he should realize right now that this thing could spiral quickly. And if he wants to, if he wants to do, if he wants to have the opportunity to have his guy, because Daniel Jones is not his guy, he better do it now. And I think that's the best case scenario for the Giants: draft the quarterback, let these two guys go about building this team again. Robert in Long Island, what's up, Rob? Good, good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Good morning. I really enjoy the show. Oh, thanks. Because, um, I felt comfortable calling you because you listen and you don't, like, uh, interrupt. And I feel you give your uh, honest, true feelings. There's no BS with you, and I, and I, 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 I do appreciate that. Uh, well, thank you, Rob. Uh, talk a little bit about the Giants real quick. Uh, been following the Giants since Homer Jones, Norm Snead, sadly he passed away. Mm-hmm. I agree with uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, <clears throat> you know, if you come in at 6 o'clock in the morning and stay to midnight, that shows dedication, but he doesn't have the talent. Um I, I'm going to just ask you one question because I do value your opinion. Okay. If, if you were the general manager, mm-hmm. besides the draft, if you do lose the offensive coordinator, could you tell me who you'd be interested in? And one last thing, sir. Uh, I think we should get rid of Barkley. Uh, he brings a lot to the table, but we could use the money for uh, yeah. other positions. All right. Yeah. Th- yeah. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate the call. Um, yes, Barkley. I I could definitely make a case to let Barkley just leave. I th- I think there is a case for that. Um, if you if you tag him twice, if you tag him for a second time, I think it's twelve and a half million dollars. It's on your books for the full year. You can't mess with that money. If you sign him to a longer term contract, a two year deal. You can, uh, you know, finagle the money, and eventually you pay for it. But you could finagle the money and have it, you know, that cap number brought down a little bit year one. But I don't like giving them multiple years. So I'm at a, I'm at a, I'm at a crossroads with him. And as much as I respect him, and as much as I think he's a team leader, and as talented as a guy he is, and and I hate saying this, but he hasn't impacted winning. I, I just I don't know how else to put it. They had one good year. One. He's had multiple, but they have had one good year with him. Otherwise, they lose. And he misses games every single year. 
And that's part of it. And I understand that, you know, with the running back position, they run them into the ground and then say, well, listen, we can't sign you. You've been run into the ground. It sucks. It's unfair. It's It seems, you know, for for a position that touches the ball as much as they do as and as important as a player like Barkley at his level of running back uh, can be for a team, it just – it's already, you know, seven years – He's had the ACL. He's come back from it, but he's also, you know, had a high ankle sprain on like almost every single year. He's always missing games. And ultimately, it, if you look around the league, again, I like to look around the league. Look at the quarterbacks around the league. Look at the running backs around the league. Look at where they get, look where they're drafted. Look how they get there. Look at Mostert, 31 year old veteran who's been cut by five different teams and scored how many touchdowns this year? Like, you can find running backs. And, and that, it makes me laugh when people go, you see, like Evan says this, a lot of people say this, you see what happens when he doesn't play, they lose. Well, when he plays, they lose, first off, mostly. Um, but they don't have – he's their starting running back. Losing Saquon Barkley midseason and then saying, well, look at the running back production when he goes down. If they don't have him there – to begin the season, they'll have a better plan at running back than the backup running back currently. Like it's not the same thing. They would draft someone, and the, they would draft someone, or have someone, or do something. Like it's it's not like if they didn't have Barkley, they'd go into the season with a better running back than they do with Barkley's backup. Uh, Barkley's backup. That was a little weird. Like I, I, they would find someone. You look around the league; all these guys are drafted late. All of them. You could draft. You can find another running back. So who plays running back for the Giants next year? And here's my casual, and you might think it's a uninformed answer. Somebody. Somebody. Somebody will be the running back. We'll find out who. And you know what? I don't think they'll be that much worse for it. I just don't. They'll be a little worse for it because he's a great player. But if they get the quarterback. If they get some other, you know, key, if they fix the offensive line, I, I I think they'd be much better served. Now, with a rookie quarterback, which I'm hoping they'll have, although I don't know if it'll be this year, you'd love the security blanket of, of a, a veteran presence like Saquon Barkley, who's gotten better at blitz pickup, who knows where to be, catch the ball, run the ball. It's kind of, you know, a, a nice little security blanket for your rookie quarterback. But at the same time, if it hinders my ability to put the more important pieces around them, I'll find someone who can catch the ball out of the backfield. I'll find someone who can run the football. That's why we have this discussion. That's why we have it. That's why his contract and and what's gone on here at the running back position with the franchise tag and all this stuff and the conversation that started last year, that's why it's in existence because you know why? You can find guys. It's funny to me that, you know, um, what's his name in in San Diego? Uh, Again, early in the morning, can't remember uh, names for whatever reason. Uh, the running back out in San Diego, it's funny that he stepped up as being someone who was going to take on this battle for the NFL, considering he's a non-drafted free agent. Like, he's the exact reason and proof that you can move on with a running back and find running backs all over the place. Again, most are, most are 31-year-old. Guy who's been around cut by a bunch of teams. You'll make it work. I think it I think the Giants are perfectly capable if they move on from Saquon Barkley. I love him. He's a great player. He's an even better dude. 
He's been a leader for this team. I respect the hell out of him, and I wish that the team was better for the years he was here. But they weren't, and he's not good enough, and not, no, should I, say, I shouldn't say that, his position isn't important enough to change that. Plain and simple. And they drafted him second overall. When I draft a, a position second overall, and I'm right on it, I expect it to impact winning more than he has. Same thing with, same thing with, this is why, this is why Clam is a perfect example of why I clamor about the quarterback. They were right on Saquon Barkley, dead right on him. Uh, touched by the hand of God, Hall of Fame talent, if not for the injuries, great player, unbelievable. They were, they were exactly right on it. They've been one of the more losing franchises in the sport since he's been on the team. Andrew Thomas nailed it early on. They thought he was the bust and Mekhi Becton was the better the, the better pick. He was the one throwing people around while Andrew Thomas was uh, being, we were getting interviews from his his college coach saying, who, I don't even know who this guy is. His footwork's completely different. I don't know what the hell's going on. And we thought the Giants had the bust. What happens? He's 100% the right pick. He's a top five at the bare minimum left tackles in the NFL. Could not have been more right on that pick. Has it impacted the offense? Has it impacted the offensive line? The offensive line still sucks. You nailed with the top pick. You absolutely nailed a left tackle in the draft. Nailed it. Top Top five tackle in the league. Could not have been better. Nailed that pick. You still suck. And the offensive line still sucks. C.J. Stroud was nailed. You nailed the quarterback. The, 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 the Houston Texans were dead right on that pick. They're playing in the divisional round and won a division. That's the difference. That's the difference. When this happened, you talked about it on the fan. Odell Beckham Jr. made the catch with one hand for the touchdown. Wow, what a catch by the rookie. Ridiculous. When New York sports happens, talk about it here. The Fan, 1019 FM, and always live on the free Odyssey app. Bum, 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 McMonigle here with you. Let's go. 877-337-6666. We've almost made it. Half hour to 5 o'clock in the warm-up show. They will come your way then. But right now, let's try and get as many calls as we can in the last half hour. I've talked about pretty much everything, and I've talked enough, quite honestly. Sam and Wachung. What's up, Sam? Hi, Chris. I have a, a Hall of Fame question for you. Sure. Uh, it, yeah, you know, I agree with you with... Uh, Gary with, Sheffield? With Bell and Sheffield, but yeah. here's a fella that's in the Hall of Fame that got in under the radar about steroids. Okay. He definitely was a steroid user. Do you know anybody that's in the Hall of Fame that uh, is questionable about steroids? Um, By your sarcastic tone, I'm going to guess you're going to say someone named Mike Piazza. Nope. Okay, good. Because he's no. been linked and, but and never caught, and I was going to argue with you because we don't know. Now, uh, well, I mean. I, I, there's yeah. a possibility that I'm wrong, but I remember he got real big because that's what happens when you – and then he got real small when he got off him, and his name is Yvonne Rodriguez. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know about – Do you remember that or no? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about under the radar. He he was – you're right. He's been sus- suspected. I – you're, well, you should. I don't know if you're right in saying he 100% did it, 
uh, there's been speculation about him uh, using it and that whole Texas team, uh, quite honestly, a lot of the players on the Texas team. But yeah, I mean, I have no idea. He was he's a Hall of Fame player though. He's one of the he's one of the best catchers I've ever seen. He was a great hitter. Um, oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, he didn't need it. So I mean, it. so you're just yeah, all right. So you're you're just calling up to say Pudge did I mean, did no, steroids? I yeah, I, I don't know, but I'm I don't know what you want but from that. My point is, what really do you want from that conversation? Oh, it is, it is. It's brought I up never about really him. Heard it? That's why yeah. I'm a little confused. No, I mean it's he's, it's been brought up about him. There's no there's no proof. It's you know there are guys again. It's been brought up about Mike Piazza. We have no other proof but, except people say he had back acne. There's no other. It was funny because he looked like a little kid when he stopped. I don't, That's yeah, what I, don't, I remember about it. Yeah, I don't know if he got that small, but a lot of guys. I mean, look at. I mean, uh, offensive linemen. Like, let me, let me, like different guys. Look at um, Deal or Sean O'Hara. Now they lost so much weight; they look so small and thin. Uh, and I, what's the name of the offensive lineman? I think he played for either Baltimore or Cleveland, and he went on like a, a like a crazy thirty day fast or something nuts, and he lost like a ton of weight. He looks like a completely different guy. Offensive linemen are funny. Offensive linemen go one of two ways, and I can tell you which one. Oh, yeah, Okung. Yeah, he he lost like a ton of weight. Um, offensive linemen go one of two ways, and I know which way I would have went, well, which way I did go when I stopped playing football. But when you stop playing football, it's one of two things. You either drop a ton of weight or you gain a ton of weight. It's very funny. It's either you've been eating like a monster just to keep on the weight that you need to be an NFL player, and once you stop eating like that because you don't need to, you lose all this weight, you go on a diet, blah, blah, Or then there's the guys who eat like absolute, you know, monsters. And the only reason why they're not, you know, bedridden is because they're exercising, playing football every day. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know. Pudge, I really don't want to get into who took steroids, who didn't. Has, but to your point that no one's that no one's connected him, or there's never been rumors about Pudge Rodriguez. Of course, there have there, there have been there have been. Uh, Steve in Long Island, what's up, Steve? Hey, C Mac, great to speak to you always. Oh, thank you, buddy. Yep, uh, I agree with you 100 uh, percent on uh, running backs, football giants. Uh, it's just unfortunate for him. I mean, it's just the way it is. They'll they'll find a running back late in the draft, and they'll see how that goes, or they'll you know pick up somebody like that's just. You know, I mean, I remember Goldman. Goldman ran the ball fine while you know Barkley was out. The knee injury. They had they had Wayne Goldman. Wayne Goldman ran the ball pretty well. Like they'll find a guy. It sucks to say it, but they will. That's the way it is. I've been following football for almost sixty years. Yeah. Back back in the day when he took uh, the running back number one in the draft, and O.J. Simpson and Earl Campbell and Billy sure. Sims, Barry Sanders number two. I think that that was the way football was. It was more yep. balanced. Between running and passing today, it's a passing league. It's a passing league. Oh, but but the only thing I would say with the Giants is, I agree. With, I I think Jones is a mediocre quarterback. He's not. He's not a poor quarterback. Yeah, if, I think that's fair. I think I'm, I'm going to say that. If he can stay on the field, I think he's probably around number 15, 16 in the league, which is in the middle, which is okay. But yeah. if you can get a top flight quarterback in the draft, you take him. But they have to have. They have. Their scouts have to tell them they have a top flight quarterback. I wouldn't just take a QB. I agree. If the scouts do not rank the prospect as top rank. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I I trust I trust Joe Shane in that, and I trust Brian Dable in that. And yes, I agree. You don't just take a quarterback you you don't like just to take a quarterback. But what I'm saying is, is like right now, they're what they should be focused on is getting that quarterback. Well, I feel the Steelers a few years 
ago, took up taking that because he was from Pittsburgh and Roethlisberger was uh, retiring. So I do think there are teams that select a quarterback. Well, yeah. Still. So you got to be, you gotta be yeah, careful. Yeah, no, no doubt. And there's also, but I mean, he was a little bit later in the draft. He wasn't top top of the draft. I mean, there there are times where it's worth the risk. Like there are times where it's worth the risk. If you like, like I don't think the sixth overall pick is where it is. I, I agree. Uh, the sixth overall pick is not where I would take the risk of someone I didn't like. But, you know, later in the draft, maybe the Giants trade up. If one of these guys, like, say, you know, Michael Penix, for example, who's a little bit older, I think he's 25, uh, he's had some knee injuries, had a great season, was terrific in the playoff game, and then was horrendous in the national championship game. But say the Giants feel they like him. They don't love him, and they don't deem him worthy of a sixth overall pick. But I believe they do have two second-round picks. If they find themselves and they're getting to the back end of the first round and they want to move up to take Michael Penix either at the, the very top of the second or bottom of the first, if he falls that far, then you can deem whether or not the risk of taking a guy you don't absolutely love is worth it. You already have a first-round pick, say you draft a tackle, or you draft a wide receiver, or whatever. And now you know you have another second-round pick. You know Maybe you can move up and take a quarterback that you kind of feel – is a little bit of a project, but you trust Dable to coach him up, and you think, hey, this could be something special. And, you know, we did attack the offensive line now, and now we have an opportunity to get a quarterback later in the draft that we do kind of like but don't love. Like, I agree. I think there's ways to go about it. And ultimately, for me personally, like, this is what I like for me personally, I don't care. If they draft a quarterback, I'm going to assume they love him. So I'm telling you right now, I don't care who it is. I don't want them to draft a quarterback that, you know, just to draft one. I agree. But if they take one, I'm going to be all about it. You're not going to hear me complain at all. I'm not going to say, oh, really, this guy? I didn't know they, you know, I didn't think they were going to do this guy. I don't care who it is. If they take a quarterback in the first or second round, I'm looking forward to Dable coaching him up and him being the future of the team and moving on from Dan Jones in one year. Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right, let's go. Last 15 minutes. I'm here. You might as well use me. 877-337-6666. Again, let's get to the phones, as many as we can take over the next 14 minutes or so. Bill in Long Island starts us off in the last segment. What's up, Bill? Hey, man, Long Beach, Long Beach. What's up, Bill? Hey, just one quick thing. Uh, what makes a good sports radio is someone who knows sports and you feel like you're in a bar. What makes a great sports radio is someone who can know sports and entertain. You got that in spades, my friend. Oh, so, well, thank you. Uh, so kind don't of change a thing. I've caught every episode that you you came on full time in, in the summer, and uh, best show in the fan, no doubt. Oh, well, that's very kind. I'm not sure it's accurate, quick, but it's very kind. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, quick question, quick comment on Belichick. Yes. Uh, if he doesn't want the ultimate power structure where he can build the team, yes, I, I'll tell you why I think Dallas would be the perfect fit. Okay. Based on what you uh, said a little earlier. Yeah. What Dallas needs is someone to put confidence into that team to win the big game, to yeah. win in the playoffs. Belichick does that instantly just by being on the sideline. That's a good point. So to me, um, you know, we talk about that team looking shell-shocked on uh, this past weekend. Yep. 
Belichick changes all of that the minute he stands on the sideline. When when all those guys on the sideline look at him, yep. he's the guy who can sort of lead them to to develop that confidence and be successful on the field. I'll hang up, but thanks, man. Yeah, no, listen, I think I think it's a good point. I think the only, my only counter to that isn't necessarily a counter. It's that yeah, he's the best at that, uh, but I do think that Vrabel or uh, Harbaugh, certainly Harbaugh, does that as well. And Vrabel maybe to a lesser extent, but he's been a successful head coach. I think that he instills that. But you're right. In the big moment, they'll say, hey, we got Bill Belichick on our side. Who's won more big games than Bill Belichick? That's totally true, and that's kind of exactly what they need. And you will never get a performance like that from a Bill Bel- coach, uh, Bill Belichick coach team. I totally agree. Um, I wonder about the issue with the uh, – see, like to me, the new the two new openings, I don't know – how they fit with Belichick, even even the Eagles, who might not have as pronounced a you know a front office connection with ownership, and obviously the meddling of Jerry Jones and whatever the case may be, but even with uh, with Harry Roseman there in Philadelphia, he's the guy. He's been one of the best executives in football. He's done a remarkable job. He's won a Super Bowl. He took this team back to the Super Bowl. And even if they fire the head coach, it may be viewed as just a a down year, a year where the team, where the coach lost the team. But there's going to be expectations to win. And here's the thing. Like, even if Bill Belichick is willing to go to a team and not be GM, right, and have someone else be the GM of the team, I would think he would want that to be on equal footing. And in many cases the name Bill Belichick might automatically, no matter how long the guy has been there, the name Bill Belichick might automatically put him on equal footing with the GM, right? GM would make decisions, no doubt. It would be a collaborative process, but he wouldn't be the guy who finalized everything. But on some level, I'm sure Bill Bill Belichick would like the idea that if I was dead set against something, like if I or, or wanted something desperately believed with every fiber of my being, that I could go back there and say, hey, look, I understand. I'm not going to pull this card off him, but I'm Bill Belichick. Trust me on this one. This is the guy we have to have. I don't know if either in Philadelphia or Dallas he would have that. Even in Philadelphia. Would he have that? Like if 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 him and Howie were completely on opposite sides of an opinion, could he win that battle? I would think he'd want to go to a place where even if he wasn't the GM, he'd feel somewhat confident or at least plausible that he could win a drag, drag him out knockout fight. And I don't know, with the level of standing how he has in that room, I don't know if that's possible. And certainly in Dallas, it's, it's likely it's not possible. Even if he goes somewhere else, like you say, he goes to the Falcons. He's been linked to the Falcons. He met with the Falcons. If they you know, bring in a GM or, or whatever, like, okay, they come in together. They're on equal footing. It's a tandem. It's a team, like Shane and Table. But to step in with someone who's been as successful as – uh, what they have in Philadelphia, or as LinkedIn to the team is what's going on in Dallas, or you know, I I just don't know if it fits him just perfect. I think Vrabel fits better there, but you're right. That was a great point. If if what they really need is someone they can lean on in the in the in the most difficult moments, it's hard if the quarterback just craps the bed no matter who the coach is. But you're right. The rest of that team can say, Hey, look, Bill knows what he's talking about. Bill's been here. Bill's won more big time games than all of us in this room have ever been a part of or ever will be a part of. So I do agree with that, that he's for what they need, he's the best coach. I just don't know if the fit is there. 
Eddie in Rockland. What's up, Eddie? Hey, Mac. What's happening? What's going First on? First of all, you know, I would give, I would, if I was a Giants, I would offer um, Belichick a CEO role. And soon as soon as this next year spit the bit, he's right there to take over. But uh, they're not yeah, going to pay he's, him well, I think but, he's looking to coach. He's looking to coach now. But let me, let me put you on the hot seat again. You know, I like to put you on the hot seat. Sure. Belichick comes back to whatever team, and he has three under 500 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, is he still the best coach of all time? Because I never had him as the best coach. He's top, top 10, but that's not the best. Uh, he just okay. got lucky with Brady. Well, I, I, I think that's a lucky. Is I think he had a lot to do with Brady becoming as good as Brady. I do on some really level. the tuck play wasn't luck. Yeah, I mean, well, every, I mean everything's okay. luck. Everything's luck. I mean, you want? I mean, there's no other coaches don't get lucky. Who's the Who's the greatest coach? I'll I'll I'll, I'll find a, in a situation where he got lucky. Like I don't know. Like who? I mean, Vince Lombardi because he never if lost he a championship game years, after the first one. Three losing years and retires. Where yeah. do you rank him? Uh, it depends on how those losing seasons go, but he'll still end up with the most amount of Super Bowls. He'll still be, you know, arguably the greatest coach of all time. I think he's. I I think that that legacy is cemented. I really do. I really do. Like if Tom if if Tom Brady went somewhere and lost. Like say, you know, would would he be no longer considered the greatest quarterback of all time? Like I, I don't, you know. I mean, Tom Landry had down years at the end of his career. Chuck Knoll had down years at the end of his career. Uh, you know, Vince Lombardi's the one guy. I mean, he ended his career with Washington. Didn't really have much of a chance. Turned that team around, but didn't win. Win, but yeah, you know, I, who's Don Shula had. Years and years and years without getting back, without you know, winning a Super Bowl with Dan Marino. So who's the best coach? Lou in Atlantic City. What's up, Lou? Hey, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? All right. The Cowboys need to hire Belichick because Belichick will bring a snapback to reality to these young players that feel they are entitled to the cowboy mystique and all the greatness from the past. They're chasing ghosts, but they don't they don't know where to reach. So he will bring that all to the front because he's a ghost himself. So he will bring them back to reality, and I think he will get the most out of the players. Uh, you, you think they're chasing, what, the 90s team? I believe they're chasing the 90s and even prior, the great cowboy yeah. teams from the past. Yeah, you know the Cowboys are the biggest, the biggest team in sports. Well, that, that's a different, that's a different argument and a better one. Quite honestly, dealing with being America's team and the expectations of that, and uh, I don't know if if the players honestly, I, I I wouldn't even know if the players are aware. Um, you know, if you asked them that, you know, I bet you a lot of the players wouldn't even know that Troy Aikman in the booth was the quarterback for the for the nineties team. Quite honestly, and forget the the seventies teams. So I I don't think the players or the coaches are chasing the ghosts of previous regimes other than the ghosts make, you know, heavy lies the crown maybe where being America's team, not having won in a long time. I think that's probably more of it too. The idea that now it's a self-fulfilling prophecy of, 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 of constantly being the team that spits the bit and being unable to get back despite, you know, good regular season success, at least in the recent history, but America's team, Play on Thanksgiving every year, 
the most valuable franchise in the history in in, in sports. Um, you know, the most recognizable team in the NFL, uh, premier team, and the idea that they've failed for so many years, it starts to weigh on you. And when you when things start to go poorly and they go right down the field and score a touchdown on you to start the game, all of a sudden in the back of your mind is today the day that we embarrass ourselves, is the day the day that we decide to be the 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 the, the Cowboys that blow games in the playoffs. And I think that has something to do with it. And that goes back to the previous caller's mention and comment about Belichick instantly stopping that. And I agree. And I think Belichick, listen, he's Bill Belichick. Any team you put him on, he's going to it, it, it's going to be a good fit. He's a great head coach. I'd be a little concerned about developing a young quarterback only because he just failed at it with and and in my mind uh, spectacularly failed at it by giving him uh, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as, as coaches for that offense, which is still like, I, I don't know how, how he did that. But uh, I would trust him on any team. He's one of the great coaches of all time, so sure. Um, the question is, how does he fit inside the organization? Because we know football-wise, you put him on any team, he's going to improve that team. I, I firmly believe that. I still think he's that. But like, it's how does he work with Dan, with uh, – I keep saying Daniel Jones. How does he work with Jerry Jones? How does he work uh, with the Eagles? Like, how would he work with these franchises? How does he – what kind of control is he looking for? Does he still want to be the guy, uh, to quote his um, to quote his guy, Parcells, does he still want to be the guy who buys the groceries if he's making dinner? Or is he comfortable just being the chef? Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. So these are all things he has to decide. But the, the, the natural fit for going to the Cowboys and changing the feeling of doomed – I think you're right. There's no one that could do it better. Because if there's one thing Belichick is not, is doomed, no matter how much losing he does. And that gets back to the last call. No matter how many, how much losing he does, he will always be Belichick. No, ma- no matter how much losing he did before in Cleveland or how much losing he'll do after Tom Brady, he will always be Belichick. He will always be six-time Super Bowl champion Bill Belichick. I mean, that it's not going to stop. I mean, he beat the greatest show on turf. I mean, this is he is a a defensive genius. He changed the way the game was played. He was the real first coach to change his team into like a chameleon where, you know, prior to Bill, you just went out there with what you did best. And sure, you game planned a little bit and you knew what the other team did best. But, you know, you went out, you had your team, you had your strengths, and you went out there and played. Uh Bill really changed the team into a weekly chameleon where he would change everything they did and, and game planned specifically for other teams. I mean, he's he's a defensive genius. There's no doubt about it. He's one of the great head coaches of all time, and he's the winningest head coach of all time. And I'm sure no matter how much losing he does, wherever his next stop is, there'll be enough winning to have the record as most wins in the NFL. I'm sure he's determined on getting that, and I think he thinks he can coach forever. That's why I still think – that yeah, the 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 instant winning maybe of a of a of Philadelphia or uh, the Cowboys or even if they get a quarterback in Atlanta and the rest of that roster, I still I still would hold the door open for an idea of him going somewhere like Carolina or something like that where he could just step in and try and rebuild the Patriots and be the be the uh, be the GM start from scratch rebuild the whole organization within his name, lose a little bit, but then build a franchise. Is it just about chasing that championship to even the score with Brady? Is it just about winning 
and beating Shula's record? Or is it about showing that you can build a franchise? And maybe he kind of likes that concept of taking something from scratch and making it a, a winning franchise the way he did with the Patriots. Interesting. All right. I'll see you guys tomorrow after the net game, probably around 1. Everybody have a great Wednesday. Catch you later. Sports Radio 101.